0: Join me, Christine Weinbrenner-Eyrich, for soulful conversations with my community of travelers, exploring the heart, the mind, and the globe. We might all agree that we are missing travel right now. These conversations highlight what tourism really means for the world. Soul of Travel honors the passion and dedication of the people making a positive impact in tourism. In each episode, you'll hear the story of industry professionals and seasoned travelers who know travel is more than a vacation. It is an opportunity for personal awareness and it is a vehicle for change. We are thought leaders, action takers, and heart-centered change makers. This is the soul of travel. Kate Webb is the owner of Orbis Expeditions and the Responsible Safari Company. Both companies offer experiences that benefit the traveler and equally benefit the host community. Kate is passionate about the role of women in sustainable development and how economic empowerment can lead to routes out of the poverty cycle. In this episode, we talk about how her journey led her to Africa and eventually to Malawi. We explore the ways that tourism can end up leading to dependence instead of being a way to empower local communities. We then dive deeper into Orbis Expeditions and how the work she does there inspires travelers and others in the industry to increase their positive travel impacts. One of her upcoming trips to Morocco in November of 2022, allows travelers to connect with girls and staff from Education for All to learn more about how they support rural girls in their education and preserving the traditional Berber culture. Travelers also get to meet with students and deliver career-style workshops with themes around how to present yourself at an interview, your career journey, female empowerment, and general business. This model used in their women's partnership and impact expeditions is so inspiring, and I know it will get the soul of travel community excited to travel too. We are both dedicated to bringing local communities and women into the conversation of impactful tourism, and that passion is sprinkled throughout this entire discussion. Join me now for my soulful conversation with Kate Webb. Welcome to Soul of Travel. I'm so happy today to be sitting down with Kate Webb to talk to her about Orbis Expeditions and her journey in the space of travel and the work that she does. Um, This is a company that I've been following for a while and have been really inspired by, so I I feel really lucky to be able to sit and share this with all of my listeners today. Um, Kate, welcome. I would love to give you a moment to introduce yourself, talk a little bit about your company and then we will dive in a little more deep from there.
1: Cool, hi, thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, my name is Kate Webb and um, I'm the owner of two, com- two travel companies, one based in Africa and one based in the UK. Um, we've got Responsible Safari Company, which is based within Malawi in Africa and Orbis Expeditions. Both companies um, Uh, dedicated the same objective to make sure that tourism benefits the local economy um, in which we are traveling. That's our main overarching benefit. Um, It should benefit the traveler as much as the destination uh, country. Um, Our company has three different brands to it. We have our sports challenges, we have our learning trips, and then we have our adventure and travel with a purpose trips. Uh, We've been going for about 15 years with the Malawi company and about Six seven years with uh, Orbis Expeditions. Um, yeah, husband and wife team. Um, so yeah, you've got part of that here today.
0: <laughs> Excellent. Um, not too long ago, I actually talked with another um, woman and their husband and wife team as well. And it was really interesting seeing that dynamic in the business and how just thinking about what that would feel like in your life, like to be that immersed, especially in such a I don't know a a passion-based business to be able to doing that as a unified team um I think that that's something unique that really adds something special as well
1: yeah I I think it does I think we were lucky because we we came into the business before we were in the business we used to run lodges together in Africa where you're very very remote living in tents sort of running bush camps and um I think that's quite a good foundation to um, be able to get over arguments quickly and uh, play to your strengths. I think that's the key. You just got to play to your strengths, play to the bits that you're good at. Um, it's definitely not an easy ride, especially when you've got kids and running a business with your husband. But um, it's uh, yeah, I think it, I think it does the whole idea of a family business. It does bring it brings something quite unique to the table.
0: Well, just to begin, um, I'd love to talk a little bit about what actually brought you to Africa and then eventually to Malawi, if you'd like to share that part of your journey with us.
1: Yeah. So we were, um, I'm now 40, we were 22, 23, something like that. We were both working in London, uh, finished university, sort of trying to work our way onto the career ladder. Um this was with my now husband, then boyfriend, um, and we both had itchy feet and wanted to do something a bit different. So we decided to take a year to travel from Nairobi to Cape Town, um, sort of by any means, but we were quite determined to work as we went. Um, so we we got our backpacks and sort of set off, and no real time scale about how far we'd we'd get. Um, and we ended up working in Kenya for three months in the really high-end safari um, tourism area running a lodge near Kilimanjaro and um, seeing the massive benefits that tourism could bring to local rural Maasai communities but also really seeing the inequality that it could cause as well and what happens when you have very rich tourists going in and kind of the responsibility around that Um, and as I said the benefits but also the challenges so we then we did that we went we got all the way down to Cape Town had the most incredible experience um and then went back to London and decided to be sensible and concentrate again on on these careers we were supposed to forge but just we just couldn't get Africa out of our out of our veins and also we're both middle children and we just sort of we really wanted to try and do something a bit different but without the prying eyes of family and friends and just So we found a job um, in Uganda running a brand new lodge in the middle of a national park, a couple of hours from a main road, very remote. Um, And we ran that lodge for a year. And part of running that lodge was doing a lot of training with the staff who had never worked in hospitality and a lot of um, community, like working with the local community to get them, a bit more used to tourism they were all cattle herders and really didn't feel great about the idea of losing part of their land to the national park and it was all quite new and I did my master's and based it all around the effects of tourism both good and bad and kind of used this lodge as a case study um, and spent a lot of time in the local village and a lot of time with the especially with the girls actually who none of them had really finished school they were just coming straight into working in the hotel and so much so that they actually, they each had separate beds in the accommodation, but they'd never slept on their own before. So all the girls, they just partnered up with another girl because they were scared to sleep on their own. They were used to living in this sort of more communal way. Um, And one night around the campfire, we'd been offered another amazing job in Mozambique. And Dom and I, my husband, just, we looked at each other and went, do you reckon that we could do something on our own that combines this reason people come to Africa, this reason to sort of volunteer or be part of something purposeful with the other reason that they come which is because it's an incredible adventure travel safari experience we were finding people were traveling coming out doing both with different organizations and we thought well why can't we create a company that offers people the opportunity to travel with a really amazing purpose um, and base ourselves in the destination employ local staff and really become a specialist in that field Um, And so we sat there age 26 and went, let's, you know, let's try it out. Um, So we got back, our backpacks back on, and we crossed the border into Malawi by truck, by pickup truck, actually, and um, met some incredible people along the way. And for the first year, I taught and worked at a school to try and earn us money, and Dom started the business. And by year two or three, I was able to give up my job teaching and join him full-time on the business. And we started with one member of staff, um, which then just grew and grew. And we started off just doing leisure travel. So just sort of two or three people in a group. And then we now operate sort of sometimes up to 40 people in a group, but still very much with that ethos of it being about intelligent travel, it being about that really local travel experience, but combining that idea of purpose, adventure and travel but driving the local economy, so none of our clients come out and just volunteer or come out and just do something philanthropical. They'll come out and also stay in lodges, go on safari, do something that just drives that local economy and make sure that tourism benefits the local community. So that's sort of our our journey in a, in a nutshell. <laughs>
0: um, I love that. I I didn't um, I hadn't researched far enough to realize that you had started in Uganda. Which is actually kind of for me. There's a moment there where Lotus Sojourn started, and very much I'm probably the same national park um, being like realizing in that space. It's really interesting because people live in the park, right? And it's it's still their home not in a way that you find in the US, like the parks are pretty much places that you just go to tourists. And so to be there and like be in this park, but then also be a part of life was really a beautiful experience. And then also the opportunities that I had to connect with women and hear their stories about what their hopes and dreams and wishes were for their families and their communities. I was like, Again, like there has to be a way to kind of connect all of these dots and not let them sit separate from one another, like be really intentional about when you bring travelers, finding a way to let them be immersed in the destination and the culture and understand um, the impact they're having and positive and negative and like make it more of a conversation than just this initial beautiful getaway and this safari or this kind of one-sided travel experience, which I think happens more often. Um, I think that people are starting to look for that more of a balanced experience, but I just love that so much that there's kind of this similar like moment. I can see where that stemmed from. Um, One of the things that I really did want to talk to you about is and you kind of already mentioned this is the um, the difference between um, tourism that creates a dependence from the from communities and one that actually really um, creates an impact and it becomes integrated as a part of the community where things are. Um, like you said, driving the economy, becoming more sustainable and talking about that balance and why that's important and maybe how you have found to make that happen.
1: I've looked at so many different models of this sort of ecotourism or community tourism um, all across the world. And I don't think that there's one, one model that necessarily works and works over a long period of time because I think that it's very, very location-based and I think that um, it also changes over time because I think that once, if you're going into a community that has had no tourism at all, that community will, lit, will look different and need to be handled differently in a different way after five years of, of having immersion with tourism as well. So I think the way that, That we've always tried to do it is that we have tried to allow our model to kind of grow organically so just to keep with our same ethos ethos of what we're trying to do but to allow growth and also to allow mistakes and kind of make them learning journeys so I definitely don't think that we haven't gone along this road without making quite you know quite dire mistakes at different points but I think the one thing that we've been always really really determined to do which is that we we never wanted to to start our own projects or our own um, initiatives we always wanted to partner with what was already there Um, you've talked about in what you've just said you've talked about conversations and kind of collaborations and I think that in order to not have that kind of top-down model. Um, I think for us, we wanted to always see what is there, what is going on, what is already there that, that might need an extra income stream. Now, if you look, certainly in our part of really rural Africa, and I should think it's probably the same in a lot of developing countries, one of the huge, biggest problems that local communities have is that they they might have like a charity side to them or they might have um different people giving money in which causing a dependency now one of the reasons why that dependency is so high is the fact that they don't have income streams um so for example if i take um, a community that we work with on the shores of lake malawi they've got lots of amazing stuff they've got going on they've got kind of hiv aids you know education a fish conservation project a school they've got all these different things but what they what they don't have is they don't have any income so they're desperately filling out grant forms all the time like oh can DIFFID help me USAID or oh, can that private donor help me and it's a constantly a scramble and we found that when we first moved to Malawi me and this Malawian lady called Chinwenwe who's still a very very good friend of mine we went around 20 different community projects and just asked them and just said what's the biggest problem? They said, the biggest problem is that funding runs out. We do some great stuff and then funding runs out. And then Differed has moved on or USAID has decided to concentrate on something different. That's our biggest problem. And so I said, well, well, what do you need? They said, we need regular income and need to know that we're going to have regular income. And they said young people in our community, they need to have jobs and they need to Get that idea of what it is to be employed instead of, oh, if I stay here and I'm poor and I can put my hand out and I'm going to get some some money or whatever it is or an opportunity. So I think sort of looping back that our whole idea was to see what was already there and then say, OK, you've got an amazing school, let's say, in your community and an amazing Women's Literacy Project. We will bring visitors in. They want to see this. They want to learn what you're doing with solar power at your school. What you're doing with, you know, adult literacy. So we'll bring them in, and they will. We will pay you. It will be a job when you invoice us for guiding and for hosting and for translating and for setting up project links. And this is this is an income. This is a job. So we looked at it as we tried to look at it as a business partnership as opposed to the charitable side of tourism. And we we try to do that through everything that we do, through all of our literature that we provide our guests with um, about handouts and things like that. We try and explain why and we try and say it's about, you know, we want people to have pride in their job. And you wouldn't go to a museum and be guided and then, you know, say, oh, you know, can I help you and your family anymore? You know, no, you wouldn't because they've got a job. So, yeah. And but it's been difficult both on the really difficult both on the our traveler side as much as they want to really think about what they're doing they still really find it really difficult not to hand out bags of sweets and so it's not an easy thing but I think that's that's what we've tried to do and then yeah every community we work with just try and audit what we're doing all the time but audit it by by our local staff going in and getting that local cultural feeling and going okay what's working what's not
0: Yeah. Um, there's so many things in that, that were, I think, really, really valuable to think about. Um, one, I love how you talked about, um, going in and already, like you mentioned, supplementing or enhancing work that's already there. Um, because often I feel like when travelers or philanthropists or investors go to a region, it's so easy to say, like, oh, we've already done this, it works, we'll just set this this new thing up. And it, it often doesn't work, or it's short-lived. Whereas if you are supporting something that already was a need of the community, it has the potential to be much more sustainable. Um, and then also that idea of the conversation with your travelers about why why it's not as simple as giving more and why it's not as simple as, um, you know, giving the candies and the, the pencils and the books and the things that we often um, even were, were told to do, I think, you know, 10 years ago, like that's what you should do, you know, bring pencils for the kids and bring books. And you
1: can still do all of that though. That's a beautiful thing is you can still do all of that. But if you do it in a better way, so for example, we say, we say, oh, you're visiting the school. We'll contact the school and they'll say, what we really need, exams are coming up. We need calculators and we need books. We need pencils. So what we do, we go to the local market in Malawi and we buy all the stuff there because then you're supporting the local economy. We don't want to bring a calculator from America or from the UK or from France, or whatever. Let's buy it in Malawi and let's benefit that local stationer. And then you have the experience also of going to the market or one of the really cool things that we've started doing is you say, okay so you're going into that community there's a women's group there that will all need let's say reusable sanitary pads now let's work with one of the entrepreneurs that we're working with in the city and let's buy the products from her and she can come along and help you hand them out and you can learn more about her business and exchange skills and so it's like a loop but it's all about generating that income and making sure that that money is benefiting local people because as much as this sort of used to pain me to say doesn't really anymore but we talk about cultural exchange, we talk about tourism benefits Oh, it really benefits local people and they're meeting people from different parts of the world. What really benefits people in the destinations that I work in and feel passionate about is money and food on the table and educating their kids. That's what they want from tourism. Yeah, they, they wanna see you and say hi. They don't really want to know, know that, you know, the queen lives in a palace in London. Like they actually really just wanna get better in life and get out of the poverty cycle. Is that, is that a bit not like a bit un, uncool to say probably?
0: <laughs> no, I know. I think it's so, I think it's so good. I mean, I think it's something that makes people uncomfortable, but it doesn't make it less important to say. And also I think that it's something that's overlooked because I think if I'm just to beat the metaphor, I guess, but if I'm, I think if I'm bringing these pencils to this school I've done good, but I didn't stop to think about, as you mentioned, like, what other ways can this be impactful of getting it locally, instead of bringing it with you and, and that connection that you have now when you bought the pencils and, connecting with the organization that understands why we need it like all of a sudden all of these other layers come in and it adds to the value and the impact and if you look at any way that you're engaging with the community and just ask like what else like three or four more times what else and I think you can find like you said like we can now bring this woman who's the entrepreneur to the village that creates that connection. It creates connection within the travelers. It maybe shows her another need and another way to get creative in her business. And um, it just starts to unfold in a much more uh, holistic way and a much more sustainable way on its own. And I think over and over humans want to help one another. So that's good, right? But we we only know what we know. And, and the model for so long has been this handout. It has been this, you know, make your donation, bring your gift, bring, like this kind of one-stop shopping almost, and without understanding what happens on the other side of it. And I think that's the integral part is actually understanding, one, what happens when it gets there, and two... What was really needed in the first place was where we should have started the conversation. So I love so much what you just
1: said. think that can give you so much more of a deeper experience as well. So we had we had one group who came from the U.S. who wanted to bring books, and which is amazing. It's brilliant. It's really really good. Um, but there's so many community libraries in Africa that are just packed full of sort of books that are provide protagonists for for western children sort of like you know Matilda or Roald Dahl or whatever it is and this group I was talking to one of my staff and I said what would the kids really need and they said they really want you know they want to have black protagonists they want to have some sort of people that they can really relate to you know they want to have books written by African writers and so we sourced this most amazing package of books which is group um, we got them some from South Africa and all over but this group then handed out and read some of them to the kids and this library now is just so much more relevant um and also we we have people sometimes bring over like um I don't know what the equivalent is with you but sort of your your final year exam books from the UK and like science and biology and stuff like that that's brilliant but just couldn't be less useful <laughs> because there's so many piles of these books sitting in Africa and actually if you just sort of given us a couple of pounds here and a couple of pounds there we could have just bought the textbooks that they use for the curriculum which would have just been um fantastic so we try and train our guides to also this is a big part of your trip is what you know what you're going to bring so yes you need to bring something and it's brilliant to bring something but it just needs to be something it it can it doesn't need to be it can be something really relevant and really impactful and i think that we talk a lot and we think a lot about the supply chain when we're eating, don't we, eating our food and we thinking about where our food comes from. And I think it's really interesting to look at the supply chain of tourism and who could be part of that supply chain is quite exciting. Does it just need to be you, the hotel and the activity provider? Who else could we pull into the supply chain and who else can benefit from us flying all these, you know, thousands of miles to a remote destination we need to make the most out of that and make that as impactful as possible because part of the point is that you come home after what you've done buzzing and thinking about all the connections you've made and thinking about innovation and all these things that travel gives you because otherwise we could just sit on zoom and you know visit places like that it's got to be about the
0: connections hasn't it and the conversations like you were saying. Yeah I mean for me that gets me so excited because that's what I love about travel and tourism as an industry and those experiences that I had that I walked away from going, wow, like that meant something to me that made me really see something in a different way. And I, I talk a lot about, instead of cultural understanding, which is kind of the marketing term that often gets used is more of a cultural empathy and just like actually being without judgment and without this need to actually propel something in one direction or another, but just sitting and sharing space and being. And I feel like when you approach tourism, from that space as well as how can it be most beneficial by incorporating the most people you come up with just a different experience and it's different for everyone for the traveler for the community um it it just it creates a different space so um yeah this is kind of my happy space to talk about and I'm so grateful that we can kind of share that because I also think it can be um confusing I think it can be um disheartening um, when we think we're we're making this choice that it doesn't turn out to be what it you think it is. And then it kind of, it, it gives you a freeze of even wanting to try again. And um, all those are really natural responses. So I just love opening up the door and looking at it and knowing that um, in this moment, you and I both have this perception of what is right, and it will likely be different five years from now. And so I have really loved on your website when, and you mentioned this before, talking about like what sustainability means in travel, that it's defined a million different ways and every different way can be applicable in certain scenarios. And it needs to evolve because if we hold ourselves to one standard, we're going to miss when we evolve past that. And so um, I just, I love talking about it in this kind of more fluid way and really constantly checking ourselves to see, are are we still doing what we thought we set out to do?
1: Because I think sustainability in the travel industry, it, it needs to be looked at that it's an equal partnership. It needs to be looked at as traveler, host destination, equal partnership. And you can't expect one terminology or one set of rules to be applicable to both, first of all, but also not to change as one shifts and one and they have to be constantly checked. Um, and I think that uh, I think that those those sets of rules, expectations, objectives are different for the host than they are the destination completely. completely it doesn't matter what the destination is. Um, the other thing I was just going to pick up on was that I I think. You, you, you said something quite important where you said that um, it doesn't sometimes we don't quite understand sometimes it doesn't feel good for some reason or we do something and it's not quite right. And I think that that's really true, especially in the areas that, that we work, that people say oh it was an, it was an amazing experience going into the village or the community. It did feel oh it felt quite awkward sometimes because we just stayed at that really nice lodge and I felt a bit awkward. I said, that's good. It should feel awkward because the world is not an equal place. It should feel awkward that you can afford to stay in this this great lodge here. And then five minutes down the road, you're there in like complete poverty. It should feel awkward. And that's part of why we travel is because we check ourselves on that. Oh, oh, that feeling of uh, shock. Um, and then then I go on to talk about, you know, that lodge that's there that is employing X amount of people from the village that you went to. And without that, that poverty would be a lot more um, and talk about the, the cycle of, of tourism. But I think those feelings that we get um, that make us breathe in and make us shudder. Someone said the other day, it's that shame shudder. And it is, it's that feeling of, Oh God, don't feel quite right. It is important. And it's one that, you know, it, you should feel it. You shouldn't be protected from it necessarily when you travel.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And not stopped by it too, because sometimes it will be mm-hmm. enough too to be like, Oh, well, I, then I really need to need to stay here on this side of that discomfort. And then what happens when you cross over and then you have the conversations um, sometimes where the most brilliant things arrive, like, yeah, I, I don't really know how to put that into words, but the conversations I've had in that space and then the things that come out of it moving forward too, it's just, yeah, I, I think it's just, it's where where travel becomes growth and um and really can open doors and create conversations and i i always say as well that traveling is like storytelling and learning the story and unwrapping the story of the people and the place and we just like we we can't get afraid to get to the bad part of the book or whatever like we just have to keep turning the pages and working through the story and understanding and you know, getting uncomfortable and then moving, moving through that. Um, so I, I just think there's so much value. So I appreciate spending a little bit of time talking about that. Um, what I really as well wanted to talk about is the components of your business um, as a way to honor this work that I feel is really important, but also to share with travelers to look for how they can get more of their travel out of their travel experiences, and then also for people in the industry to be inspired to find ways they can increase their positive impact with the travel they offer. And you mentioned you have your Women's Partnership Series, your Social Impact Series, um, your Responsible Safari Company, as well as some initiatives that you pull all of this together. Um, so I'd just love to get a better understanding and for our listeners um, what the the women's partnership series is and the social impact series and what those offer travelers and communities.
1: Yeah brilliant thank you for giving me the time to do that. Um, yeah as I said so we do have three main areas which are sports um, education and then impact but I wanted to just talk about the the impact because um coming out of where we are at the moment with the travel industry i see sort of the idea of impact travel as something that's really emerging we were actually doing it back in 2018 we launched our first impact range but we're really looking to push it now um, as a company and this is really targeting what what we coin your kind of intelligent travelers purposeful travelers people who are wanting to travel but they're really thinking about each element of their trip and what they're doing they're not looking to spend months and months volunteering they've still got that short amount of holiday periods but they're really wanting to get as much out of it as possible so we've got two um two types of trips running within that space one is our women's partnership series which has been going for the last three years. And this is um, sort of my, my third baby in a way. Um, it's something I felt really passionate about after I had my little girl, the idea of supporting women in business in Africa, having been a woman in business in Africa and working within that space, um, knowing the challenges, the stigma, the kind of uh, the idea of um, women leaders in, in our part of Africa is quite rare. But link so linking up, and collaborating um, and connecting women who travel with female entrepreneurs in the destination country um, to do some travel with but to share skills to share business ideas to have a space where you where you sit and you you it's almost turned into a bit of a TEDx series to be honest like the ladies they love just just chatting about the juggle between family life and business and that you know how they're called bossy instead of empowered and they're kind of sharing everything from marketing to finance to how to make your brand stand up and we've had some amazing conversations with you know leaders in business who wanting to travel out to Africa um, and wanting to give their time and their experience as opposed to their dollars and and handouts and some of the collaborations that have happened when you come back home as well so the women's partnership series is is launching at the back end of this year it will be in Malawi it will be in Bali. Jordan, Morocco and Colombia, hopefully, and it will be targeting different areas to do with women. So everything from human human rights to women in business to culture and religion to history, um, but still having those elements of adventure. So you get a big hike normally in. Um, and, and a little bit of that element of luxury as well. So you're staying in some really lovely small owner-run lodges that are supporting local communities, but they have that, oh, that hammock with the view or that bit about travel that we all love and that we all do. And we that's sort of, these sort of travellers are people who, that's what gives them their tingle. They've spent the day using their skills, but then they actually want to have a gin and tonic or they want to have that little element of, of luxury as well. Um, and then side to that we've got the social impact journey which is targeting more um, so the women's is, tends to be sort of 40 to 60 year olds kind of quite high up in their careers or women that have done quite a lot of travel whereas the social impact's more for say the 25 to 40 year olds men and women mixed teams people looking to travel probably 14 to 20 people joining a team and that is again got those three elements travel adventure purpose linking with amazing organizations on the ground having those local travel experiences normally living with local families a little bit as well um still seeing those travel highlights but heading behind them and actually learning more about different people in the supply chain of tourism different people running really cool businesses spending day you know learning about fair trade tea and coffee that kind of thing um but very much uh, on the local level and that is priced a lot lower as well same destinations as i mentioned um and we what we've done is we have our own business in malawi to host you but what we've done in the other destinations is found people just like us who live there are based there who know all about that local area are working within that space of tourism and charity and development work and trying to join the two and we've gone yes we like what you're doing what can you do for us um and they're really really different so our hope is that people who have been to Malawi will want to go oh I love what Orbis do I want to do another travel adventure purpose trip I want to go to Columbia with Kate this year or whatever it is so yeah that's our impact brand and what, what we're hoping to to get off the ground first before everything else starts opening up
0: yeah it's so good I just I It makes me so happy. Um, We were talking before we jumped on here that, you know, this is what I really had in this big, bold vision for what I wanted to create in travel and to just see it working is really inspiring because this, I just know this is for me the right way to do travel and it, it just creates such beautiful connections. And I I love the women's partnership series so much. Like I, I really can't get over that. And part of that is because Those conversations are the ones that have stuck with me, like sitting with a woman talking about like, you know, my, my teenagers having this struggle and, you know, my husband is doing this in his job and, you know, I can't do this because of this boundary and it breaks down those barriers. And you're like, well, that's my same story, right? And you don't expect to find that because we have these notions of separateness that were sold. And when all of a sudden, like over and over, I've been like, you look at this woman and you're like, oh my gosh, like it was all wrong. Like we're the same. And it just, and then you, you get to talk in such a real way and then you build relationships and you carry those forward and you have different context for just for everything. Um, and I think it's really unique in, the, in a way that women connect. And I, the social impact series is great, too, to get young, younger people out there realizing what the world looks like as they're setting out to be a part of it. But um, that's the women's partnerships, my my sweet spot as well. So um, I love just hearing about. You know what that looks like and how that works, and
1: um... I mean, we used to call it the women's empowerment series because just the way that you're speaking about it, I think that some of the stories they are so similar, and you feel so connected. Yet your background stories are so different, right. and it leaves you feeling. It, it leaves me those conversations and the work that we do with with women. It makes me feel so much more brave and resilient and adaptable. And I sometimes like I channel my inner trinitas or patricia or somebody who i've worked with and just go oh my god if they can bloody do it like i can do it i can stand up i'm going to be brave like and it, and i think that's what you bring home but it's it's those moments and i think sometimes when you bring together one person who earns x amount another person that uh, is just starting out but yet they both see in each other they find that connection i think that's it's a really unique thing about about women and a real my friend doesn't as uh one of the guides who travels with us she always talks about standing tall and I think it does it makes you you want to stand t- tall together and collaborate and work together which is um, be each other's cheerleaders I think is 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 great too so yeah like you I feel like you do that for me which is lovely I, like on LinkedIn and stuff I was like oh yay thank you for sharing and
0: <laughs> I think that that's lovely yeah, yeah. I, I think it's really powerful and it and it it opens the door and makes space for conversation to happen too that maybe aren't always culturally acceptable or normal or um just the way that things get spoken about in those spaces, it, it gives permission for women to see themselves that way, especially as leaders, because most places around the world that that especially where we tend to travel and work, um, that isn't the the norm and it's definitely strongly discouraged and for women to be honored for their leadership in those communities is something that's just so important um and I loved the calling on the the power um my tie to Guatemala and the artisans that I work with there all the time like I'll throw a bracelet on and wear it every day for like two months because I'm like I need that strength right now. I need to not forget it. And the last um, woman that I took there when we walked away, that's why she was launching her own business. And she's like, every time I think this is too hard, I think what I have water and electricity, and my husband lives in the same country as me, and my ch- my children are going to school, and like this isn't as hard as I think it is. And um, there's something so valuable in we often think we're trying to give when we travel and we're trying to do it, but what we take when we have these honest, like authentic connections is mind-blowingly powerful. Like it just really changes how we perceive everything. So, and I feel like maybe we're going on and on in our (laughs) favorite thing to talk about, (laughs) but <laughs> I know that yeah. it will resonate for someone so I'm happy yeah. to leave it as a part of the conversation but um well as we wrap up I know you mentioned that you are branching trying to get products aligned and journeys aligned in some new destinations you mentioned Bali and Jordan um I didn't know if there's any time you wanted to spend just talking about what that looks like and what you're hoping to create there and then um, how people can reach out to you to be connected and travel.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah, so we're doing Morocco, Colombia, Bali, and Jordan uh, will be added to what we're doing just for this impact brand. Um, hopefully from November. Um, and I, I actually was, we were a bit nervous about launching outside Malawi. We've only ever done Malawi. Um but we did we did some research to see if other people were doing what we're doing, living within the destination. It was really important that they had travel companies within there, mm-hmm. um, like DMCs in a way. And we found some amazing ones within these destinations that we've set up. So we we started with what do they do? What what are they offering? What projects are they linked with? And went from there and then built these incredible itineraries around there. Just making sure that they kept this travel adventure purpose element. And I. Feel really, really excited about it, both for the possibility that people who have already travelled with us will now hopefully have a bit of an alternative. They've, they've been to Malawi, they want to go somewhere new, but they're having the same format. But also the opportunity that um, that it brings to diversify this idea that it's not so Africa's always built around development, it's always built around economic empowerment, and the women's stuff's always built around trying to drive their businesses. But these other destinations is. There's a lot going on in Colombia to do with human rights, especially around women and, you know, Jordan, the history and the culture that it provides there and religion in Bali. And it, it provides the idea that once again, I'm amazed by the power that tourism can have and how it does really filter into so many different areas and the possibilities that travelers can get involved with something that they feel really passionate about and really interested in you know I want to have purposeful travel but I'm also really interested in history and philosophy or whatever it is and so therefore Bali would fit or and so we're kind of providing people with a little bit of of an option and I feel like we should be doing that at Orbis we shouldn't just be saying we're about one you know one Africa we're about we were just going to do Africa, to be honest. But actually, I feel like this gives us so much variety. Um, and I feel like as a company, we can really learn from those other destinations. And we can really learn and it can impact the work that we're doing in Malawi.
0: Yeah, I love that too, because you'll you'll get different perspectives and different uh, strategies and just different uh, tones that will be able to overlap. And it's creating that Global community, which I think we're often striving for, to be able to pull from all of those perspectives and experiences. Um, yeah, that I, I think I'm excited for you to be able to have that to offer as well. Um, if people are are curious and they want to take part in one of these journeys, how do they find you?
1: So it'd probably be great to just add the link in at some point, but it, so just Orbis Expeditions and on our website, there's um, the Impact Expeditions and that's the way. Um, also, we're, we do have a bit of social media presence. Um, so you can always follow us and um, I can send you the direct links as well. Um, I I always love having a conversation. So it, also if there's anybody listening that is interested in maybe putting to get something together themselves, we offer Um, opportunities to be leaders on our trips where you can help create the content of the trip and help us market the trip and do something a bit different so if you've always thought oh I'd quite like to do a trip to to this place and we can um, you know work with you today to tailor make that
0: Excellent. Um, Well, I always end my conversations with um, my non rapid fire, rapid fire questions. And they're just a few questions for people to get to know you as a traveler. And it always just brings in um, something else interesting to learn about you. I can't remember if I've answered these already. I feel very on the spot now. Mm-hmm. Um no they're really easy and and fun. So um the first one is what is your favorite book or movie that offers you a travel escape or inspires you to adventure.
1: Um The Boy Who Harnessed the Wind which is an inspirational story all about Africa and innovation.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh what is always in your suitcase or your backpack when you travel?
1: I'm going to say a spare pair of pants like because <laughs> <laughs> So luggage always gets lost. All the destinations I go to, I'm gonna go with that spare pair
0: of knickers. That's okay. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite destination?
1: Oh, my favorite destination. Um, I'm gonna have to say Malawi because I'm gonna have to stay loyal. Yeah, that's my heart.
0: <laughs> um, where do you still long to visit? Canada. It's always just top of my list. Yeah so beautiful. Um, what do you eat that immediately connects you to a place that you've been? Well, it's, it's probably pesto, which is very odd and it's nothing to do with Italy. But when we
1: lived in, in Africa, we could never get pesto. And when we were really tired, we wanted to eat pasta and pesto. So whenever I, I actually hate pesto now, but whenever I, I see pesto, I just think, oh, Africa.
0: Yeah, we don't get that in
1: Malawi, pesto.
0: <laughs> so I, have, that. I have a weird one like that, too, in Thailand. And um, we ended up at this beach that had a French restaurant that had cheese, cheese and like the crook madame and and we were like all the cheese so weird well, that's the food that connects me to Thailand which absolutely that's should good. not but every time I think of that moment <laughs> um who was the person that inspired or encouraged you to set out and explore the world I don't
1: feel I have explored the world, but to explore Africa, um, I'd probably say my husband, but also this lady Chimwemwe who was my first, my first friend in Africa who took me, we did it together. We grew it together and that's really exciting. So yeah, one African, one Englishman. <laughs> that sounds like a book in
0: and of itself. <laughs> um, you could, um, if you could take an adventure with one person, fictional or real, alive or past, who would it be?
1: oh my kids gotta be my kids yeah we've been too locked down for too long we need to travel we yeah need
0: to travel. my kids they're six and four they need to see the world um I'm planning a around the world trip with my I have three daughters um oh, wow. and so we're like two and a half years away from what where we have related I, I can't wait to have them experience oh that will be amazing wow um well thank you so much this was such a good conversation like selfishly this was my happy place and I'm so happy to share it with the people who are listening to Soul of Travel and I thank you for joining me
1: thank you it's been really great it's been brilliant
0: thank you for listening to Soul of Travel I hope you enjoyed the journey. If this sounds like your community, welcome. I'm so happy to connect with you. You can find more about the ways you can be a part of the Soul of Travel and Lotus Sojourn community at www.lotussojourns.com. Here, you can find out more about Soul of Travel and my guests. You can also find the Lotus Sojourns I Guide for Women as well as my current book sojourn offering an opportunity to explore your heart mind and the world through the pages of books specially selected to create a unique journey you can find me on facebook at lotus sojourns and join our community the lotus sojourns collective or follow me on instagram either at lotus sojourns or soul of travel podcast join the lotus sojourns mailing list I look forward to getting to know you and hopefully hear your story.